This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Eicher. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Joining me today, he is a writer for Raptors.com and CBC Sports. You know him. You love him. It's Vivek Jacob. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you for uh, joining me once again. You know, we're as far as the Raptors go, we're deep into the offseason. But, uh, you know, the NBA is still thriving right now. Are you doing like a lot of tennis coverage right now? Like, where are you at? Yeah, I'm all over the tennis right now. French Open coming up and obviously super sad today seeing the Rafa Nadal news. Mm. Um, and like, I feel like. My fandom uh, in sports as a whole is just like on its last legs. Like growing up watching LeBron, Federer, <laughs> and Nadal, <clears throat> and Djokovic. I know. And, like, and all of them are like, yeah, you know what? It's over. <laughs> do mean, you? Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to ask, like, do you feel like as we get older, it will be possible to be inspired by people who are like much younger than us? I mean, we'll still be fans, but we'll, but it won't be the same, I think. It won't be the same. I, someone was saying the other day, it's like, there's no way they could wear like a 20-year-old's jersey now. Like, it just feels weird. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because, like, for me, like, like Vince Carter will always have a special place for me, no matter what. Yeah. Like, I'll just always be, like, so biased for that guy. And I don't know if, like, I'll ever love a player the way I loved Vince Carter when I was a kid. Mm. You know, I just think yeah. it's that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that attachment when, like, you're almost in a weird way going through life together and it's like these people are like similar <laughs> ages to you and it's like yeah obviously they're like the lebron of what they do and you're yeah not, but... <laughs> Just, like, we, we grew up together they don't yeah. know me yeah but we grew up together yeah yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, we're going to get into we'll, we'll we'll revisit this when we talk about the the draft lottery. But uh, let's start by talking about these Eastern and Western Conference finals. Let's start off by talking about the East, because while well, we record this on Thursday, it'll be out on Friday and we are coming off yet another uh, phenomenal Jimmy Butler performance here. Uh, game one in in Boston, like I I'm still somewhat shocked that the Heat are here and they're bringing it because I feel like it defies logic to me to be so bad during the regular season and then to just seemingly snap your fingers, have one locker room talk and be where you are now. I feel like it defies logic, but here we are. Yeah, honestly, I feel like we see once again that at the end of the day, once that playoff game one starts, it is entirely different from the regular season. Just the style of play. And I think the more teams have really adopted that regular season style of like, hey, we're just going to get up a bunch of threes and this and that. And um, I think when you don't have that ability to truly adjust, <clears throat> then you kind of get hurt by it. And so I think we're seeing a bit of that. I think we're seeing, you know, with Miami, obviously they had injuries like right throughout the year. Jimmy missed a bunch of games. Bam was probably the only one that was like healthy throughout. Um, yeah, I think Larry also missed a lot of time. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that's part of it. And, you know, I think the other thing too is just like the continuity factor, right? Um, and so when you've got, like when you look at, the NBA landscape right now, right? Like how many teams actually have championship experience, right? And I think this was a factor, you know, when the Raptors in 2019, 20, 
Like, I think that was something that really helped them. Whereas like, okay, Kawhi and Danny left, but you've got a bunch of guys who have championship experience and have been together. And you looked around, it was like, okay, the Warriors are hurt. Who else has that experience outside of LeBron, right? Because mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. so long, it was just like LeBron going to the finals, the Warriors going to the finals, and no one else really has that experience. And now I think we're kind of seeing that again. Um, and That's and, true. And I don't think in that sense that it's a coincidence uh, that, you know, you have those four bubble teams back in, <laughs> back in the, the four finals. bubble teams back into the mix. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's super weird. I mean, I think like, you know, for all the, the credit Eric Spolster gets it, he does deserve all the credit that he's gotten. <laughs> I also think this is just such a high IQ team. And I think, you know, also like with Tyler Hero's injury, it really seems like Max Struess has really like stepped into that role and has fulfilled that for them, which I also think is like, you know, the bit of quote unquote luck I feel a team needs to win a championship. So I feel like that's been, you know, highly beneficial for them. And they just look like a championship team. Like they just have the poise and the grit of a championship team. I don't think they look like one on paper, but when you see them play, it's yeah. like they just have it. They just have this X factor. And, you know, obviously, like like many people, I thought this was going to be a Milwaukee versus Boston series, you know, but here yeah. we are. And mm-hmm. I feel like Boston, it well, who I still think is a great team, they – they're lacking composure in moments, which has surprised me considering they made it to the finals last year. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's different about this year that we're getting like inconsistent, you know, fourth quarter performances at times, or just like, I don't know. I just feel like they have moments where it's like a bad costly turnover or something like that. I mean, I can't really explain it. I mean, a lot of people are questioning Jason Tatum right now, probably more than they should, honestly. Like, I think even great players have a couple bad moments. I don't even think it's a whole bad game. It's like a bad quarter here and there. But I don't know. I mean, what do you think of the Celtics right now? I, th- I think part of why you see some similarities to what we saw last year in terms of the turnovers, the bad decisions, all of that, like, I think it's, they genuinely lack a true point guard um, right. or like a true playmaker. Right. And as good as Marcus Smart and Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon are, they don't have that element to their game. Right. And uh, I think that that would sort out some of the fourth quarter issues that they have that would sort out, you know, anytime their offense gets a little too one-on-one and it's like your turn, my turn type of deal. Um, I think, you know, having like a true playmaker, like they'll make sure guys are in their right spots, running plays for, you know, not necessarily, you know, Tatum Brown every single time. Right. And, and I think you keep the offense in a better flow that way. Uh, and so, I think that's their biggest issue. And I think unless they like fully address that, uh, it's going to stay an issue. And that's why even, you know, you look at the game one loss to to Philly, the game uh, five loss to Philly. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, once they get into like these, you know, win or go home situations, then they really buckle down and it's like, okay, we really can't afford to screw up now. But um, that sort of discipline that comes when you're just playing without those stakes that comes when you have like a natural playmaker and uh you know a a guard that will bring that to you and they don't have that so um i think the really interesting thing for me was like coming into this postseason and especially like uh if you looked at miami if you looked at the lakers it was like oh how are they gonna have enough offense to keep up with some of these teams right even the lakers the series before with the warriors that was my big thing i was like man the Warriors just came out of this series with the Kings who like score for fun. Like they just can't miss. (laughs) Yeah. And now the Lakers have to find a way to match that offense. And it was like, well, the thing I learned was it's not about their offense, right? It's the fact that they can defend at such a great level that now it's like, you don't have to score at that, that crazy level anymore. Right. When you bring their offense down to a certain degree, then it makes it that much more sustainable for your offense. So I think Miami is kind of doing the same thing where they just defend so well. It's like, okay, now it's, hey, if if 
everyone's making their threes, then great. But if not, we can still stay within striking distance, right? Like that's why, even though the Nuggets get off to that amazing start in Game One, the Lakers are still sort of able to like work their way back. With this uh, Celtics <laughs> Heat series, who like who do you think is going to take this series? Who do you think is going to the finals? I, I think it's going to be the Heat and the Nuggets in the finals. Uh, I think uh, the Celtics they still bother me with that lack of discipline and um, Philly absolutely should have been able to come out of that series. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they fumbled the back. Like, I don't think there's any other way to put it. Like yeah. to go up three, two in the series to have that home game. And then Embiid, you know, he's got to take some of the blame there in terms of not getting a shot off, not getting the ball, like those final five minutes of the fourth and game six and sort of throw away that opportunity and then completely get blown out in game seven. Uh, they completely fumble the bag. And so I think uh, that's another example where like experience shows, right. And like Boston's kind of like, okay, we know how to get to the finals. We know what it takes. Like we're down three, two, we're not going to panic that type of thing. And Philly, I think their inexperience in sort of getting over the line showed, um, and yeah and then with the nuggets i just i just think they're amazing like this is the year this is the Jokic appreciation year like i think it's gonna be so ironic <laughs> that the year Embiid wins mvp if Jokic goes on to win gets the to the finals yeah, yeah yeah look i completely agree with you actually i think um i think the celtics heat series is going to be close i would not be surprised if it goes to seven games it did last year yeah um but i think this is the year that miami gets over that hump against this team um because of the inconsistencies we talked about but also i really believe they know how much their time is right now Mm. like this team is not pretending like they have next year yeah you know what i mean like Like these guys are not, you know, they're not getting younger. They know it. They are not wasting time here. And I think they are really, really going to go for it this time. Not that they didn't before, but I mean, I just think like last year it came to a game seven and it only came down to like the last couple of possessions. Like they were right there. And I think if Boston's just that little bit. Jimmy had that pull up three. Yeah. That goes in. It, It changes everything. So I think, you know, we're not really talking enough about their uh, playoff demons and exercising their playoff demons, but they look like they're doing that right now. And so right as of this moment, as of this recording, I am a big believer in the heat and then moving on to the, to the Lakers nuggets side of things. Yeah. I look, I think the nuggets have been out of all these teams, out of all the chaos we've had this year's playoffs, from the very beginning of the season till now have been the best and most consistent team out of anybody. And I think if anyone deserves this year's championship, it is the Nuggets. They deserve it. They have worked the hardest for it. Jokic doesn't even like rest games throughout (laughs) the season. You know what I mean? If that guy's healthy, he plays like they have, and they have fought for this moment for years. I also think they know that this is their moment in a year of just so much NBA parody that I don't think they're going to give this up easily either. I think the Jokic Anthony Davis matchup is going to be really fun to watch. I also think that this series will go long, but I do think the Nuggets will ultimately pull through and I would pick them to win the championship as well. I just think that even though it'd be hard for me to root against Kyle, like I love Kyle. Yeah. I mean, talk about loving like Raptors players. Like, yes, I have a special place in my heart for, for Vince Carter, but I mean, I do have a special place in my heart for Kyle. That's true. I think we all do, but Yeah. yeah, I just think like, you're right. This is the Jokic appreciation year. The one year he doesn't win MVP. That's probably the year he deserved it the most, but the same thing kind of happened with Giannis when he won the championship. It was like, no one wanted to give Giannis a third MVP until he won, until he won a championship. And so now with Jokic doing that, you know, who knows what next year looks like, but it, it makes the two MVPs sit better with everyone. And then with like, I wanted go back to talking about the 76ers for a second here. Um, my little like conspiracy, well, maybe it's not a conspiracy. It's more like what I would do if I were Daryl Morey 
thing, you got to go after Damian Lillard. You have to go after Damian Lillard. There is no team that needs Damian Lillard more than the 76ers. Okay, that guy will give you 20 points in a fourth quarter of a game seven. He just will. And if any player is going to help you exercise game seven demons, it's Damian Lillard. You have to do everything in the multi-team trade universe (laughs) because Damian Lillard's contract is so big. Right. And there's there's heavy rumors that they want to trade this third pick that they got. Because I think that the idea around that is that they would want to build around Damian Lillard. But you got to convince them not to build around Damian Lillard and then convince James Harden to be involved in a sign and trade situation. Again, multi-team, because I don't think James Harden's going to the Portland, but they, they got to make that happen or it's a wrap for them. It is absolutely a wrap for them. I feel like that is the only thing that could save this team at this point. I've said a lot. No, I, I think absolutely. If there's some kind of path to getting Dame on the Sixers, you, if you're Daryl Morey, you have to swing for it and you have to find a way to get it done. You climb those mountains, Daryl. <laughs> you climb those snowy ass mountains. You do it. Yeah. You Maybe. climb up Everest. Yeah. You make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> find your shaman. Go get it done. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, but I just wonder with Portland, you know, I guess it comes down to evaluating, like if it came to it, like what is the trade that sends Dame there um, and versus what is the deal? What is the return for the third pick? Right. Um, And so it's like for them, if they're tempted into saying, Hey, now we're able to get this all-star next to Dame um, and we can put him next to, you know, Simons or Jeremy Grant or whatever is left over. Now we think we can do something and, I think the other funky thing that's going to come out of this postseason is if teams weren't buying into the play-in entirely before, they're going to be all the way in now. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at yeah, the fact that yeah, the Lakers were in the yeah. play-in, the Heat were in the play-in, and now they're in the conference finals, like, yeah, realistically, you probably have to look at the Lakers and say, hey, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You have to look at the Miami Heat and say, hey, they have Jimmy Butler. Um but they're going to be teams that say, hey. Yeah, and the Heat had to win twice. Yeah. And there are teams that are going to be looking and saying, hey, you just have to get in. And especially if you're Portland and you have a guy like Dame, you are convincing yourself that, hey, we just need to get in. Get some better talent around him. But once we get in, anything can happen. Yeah. I mean, I agree that that is what they are telling themselves. Yeah. I don't think they should tell themselves that. I agree. I I mean, but I get it because I know what it is to be a homer, right? And I just think, like, I really believe that the Damian Lillard era should be over. And I think if you're ever going to trade him, it should be now while his value is still high. I just, his value will not increase year after year from this point on. If you don't trade him now, you are with him till the end. And I just don't know what that really means for them. Like to me, like my fear for Portland is that they're going to be the Washington Wizards of the West, right? Like they, they stayed in the Bradley Beal. That's basically what they've been the last couple of years, right? Yeah. I mean, at least they made a Western Conference finals. Yeah. I I mean, specifically like pretty much yeah in the last like three two three years yeah yeah but it's just it's over i think he's 33 years old this is the time this is the time to trade lillard and you know you have a really high draft pick you know who could be a franchise player i think it's i think it's time I think it's time they rebuild. I know that's a really hard pill to swallow. Do I think they'll actually have the guts to do it? No, but they should. And they should. And and, and Daryl Morey should be doing everything he freaking can. Until the Knicks are going to want Lillard. There are going to be so many people whining and dining the Portland Trailblazers front office, convincing them to trade Lillard. 
Yeah. Like it's going to be like a free agency in a sense, but it's with the front office because they're the ones with mm-hmm. the power. They got to be in there. If the Raptors commit to going younger, mm-hmm. where are you at with the potential, you know, third pick plus whatever for Siakam? Well, okay, here's the thing. Great question. I was going <laughs> to throw this to you later. Surprise, surprise, but here we are. We have we have detoured, which is fine. I enjoy doing that on this show. Like, I think, you know, we can't run back the team that we have, and I think we all know that. And um, the thing is, I'm co- okay, this is what I'm confused about because I understand wanting to go younger. That seems like a logical step to me. However... We traded next year's draft pick, which suggests you don't want to go younger. Because unless unless, unless we unless make a trade that in, yes, un- unless it's in the top six, but that's the Spurs, and now they have Wemby, so I don't think they're gonna have a top six pick. I no, think no, no, they're no. gonna be too good it's, for that. The Raptors traded their pick, right? So yes. if so. The, and they've protected it top six. So if the Raptors are, oh, are so bad in the top six, if the Raptors are picking in the top six, then the Raptors keep the pick. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. Thank yeah. you. Um, it's risky. So the Raptors could be. Really, I think, really bad I think a, a trade would have to, if we're going younger, would have to involve a pick for next year. Yeah. And then if we get that top six pick back, then great. Then we have two. But I wouldn't roll the dice on that because right. this team, except for last year, likes to overachieve. <laughs> okay. Historically, yeah. this is an overachieving team. So I think going younger makes sense. I'm not against trading Pascal, but it's got to be good. It's got to be good. And then there's also like, okay, you know what? We're just here, Vivek, and we're just going to do this. I'm so confused by the Raptors right now. <laughs> I'm so confused by this team. I've never been more confused by this team than I am now in a very, very long time. I don't know what direction they want to go in. Masai has been adamant about not wanting to tank. Adamant about it. He does not want to tank. He does not want to rebuild via the draft. He has explicitly said so. But who's out there? that we could trade for, that we could then build around. And then, so to me, I feel like going younger, um, like when you just look at it objectively, makes a lot of sense. But I feel like it goes against a lot of what Masai has been saying. Yeah, I think, you know, I've said this, uh, you know, right after Masai. Such had a Raptors anxiety moment right now that we just <laughs> were like, screw the NBA. Let's just, sorry. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, yeah, so after Masai's presser, I remember just feeling like there were a lot of things that were contradictory that he said. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, when he was kind of like, hey, at the end of the day, like 41 wins, 48 wins, like what's the difference? Uh, and he's like, you know, first round exit, this and that. But it was, but before it was all like, hey, like I know I said before, I don't want the play in. Now I want the play in. Um, and it's like, okay, if you don't really see a difference between 41 and 48, there's a big difference between, you know, winning 32 and 41 and giving yourself a better draft uh-huh. pick. Uh-huh. So again, that's like, hey, if you like committed to a direction with this team, like that was possible. And now maybe you're picking in like the top eight somewhere in there, which would be better than what you have now. Um, and so... Things like that didn't make sense. And so now when I look at this team, the Jakob Pertl trade has put you in a position where you've got another free agent to re-sign. I do think they will get that done, but I think it removes the flexibility that they would have had otherwise. And so, like, because once you commit to re-signing Jakob Pertl, commit to re-signing Fred Van Vliet, um, potentially re-signing Gary Trent Jr., you can't trade those guys for at least six months. And so I think you're in a situation now where you almost are forced to run it back. And I think the front office will probably sell it as, Hey, we think this roster is capable of more uh, with a different coach. 
And so we want to see that play out first. And, and then, you know, whether it's the trade deadline or the summer after, I think maybe then uh, they'll say, okay, now we have like all the information. Um, right. Personally, I think the Raptors should be making a choice this summer mm-hmm. uh, in terms of in spirit, making either a Tyrese Halliburton for DeMontis Sabonis type trade where you trade a young star mm-hmm. for an all-star caliber guy who's ready-made right now to win. Um, or you do kind of like, is there a way to do the Paul George for Shea Gilgis Alexander type trade where you have the all NBA all-star guy and can you get that next star from a team? Um, and if it's not, you know, a Paul George for Shea Gilgis Alexander type deal, is there maybe, you know, back when Paul George was in Indiana and he got traded for Victor Oladipo, right? Is there that type, even that is a pretty good deal, right? Where you're getting this younger type star. And obviously we know what happened with Victor's career after that, unfortunately. But those are in spirit, those are the type of deals that I'd be looking, where you commit one way or the other. Um, but you don't think they're going to? I don't think they're going to. That, I would I mean, be surprised. I would be pleasant, pleasantly surprised if they did. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it, you know, I think it does make sense to fire a coach before you blow up a team. So from that sense, I do see what the front office is doing. I also think, yes, this team is going to be better than last year if you run it back because not just because of the coaching change, although that is obviously helpful. Um, Yaka Pertle mid season took us from 12th to ninth in the East. That diff- having a real starting center, no disrespect to the other players that were on this team, having a real starting center, an NBA center got us from 12th to ninth alone. So think about having that for a whole season easily we could be in a seventh eighth conversation if not even looking at numbers if not even looking at six although that is heavily dependent on what the rest of this league does because i think there's going to be some serious offseason uh trades happening this year um but i i just think like so yes the team will be better but will it be enough You know, I think the ceiling on this team isn't championship. And I think that's the overall point. Like, I think if you look at the near future, it's like, yeah, we could we could be higher in the standings than we were. But are we winning a championship with this roster? No, I don't think we are. And I think the Raptors are putting. I do think that's okay though. Like, okay. I think I think the goal now is like, how do you turn this roster into one that's capable of legitimately like winning the first round series. Like, I don't think you just have to look at it in terms of, Hey, like, can this team win a championship or not? Or is like the ceiling a championship? It's like, how do you get back into the second round? How do you get back to, you know, being a home court advantage team in the regular season? Right. I think that's gotta be like the first goal. And then you can kind of graduate from there. Well, I think that's fair. But then I feel like you if know, you're you, not going younger. Right. I do think that's fair. But then I think, you know, the timeline issue becomes a thing all over again, because as you're growing, right, you're going to be I mean, you're growing during like the primes of Pascal and Fred. Right. So I think that becomes an issue because then it's like, how much stock are we putting into Scotty? becoming your number one player right you know what i mean because it's like i don't know i just feel like when we were in the derozan kyle years you saw forward progression every year it didn't always work out that way in the playoffs but you could feel a forward momentum until that era was like legitimately over and I feel like I just don't see that with this squad right now. 
but who knows, maybe they are going to put in the work in the off season and it is totally different. And this point will be completely mute. There's just so much unknown, but as just looking at it right now, I'm just like, I just don't see like the growth and the timelines and all of it coming together and making sense, but maybe just like yeah. one or two different players changes everything. I think the, the only thing I would say to that is like the core doesn't have to be perfectly aligned in terms of their ages, right? Like e- even if you think back to that Kyle DeMar era, like Kyle is like four years older than DeMar. Um, mm-hmm. And he was already in the league for a while, right? Uh, before DeMar. And then um, you look at JV, he was even younger, right? And if you look at that core, that was kind of the core, right? So um if you go right from Kyle to JV, that's probably like a seven year gap. Um, and so if you look at that with Scotty and the rest of them, I think it's possible. I think it's more so that in terms of the style of basketball that they want to play, that I don't think is perfectly suited. Right. And so uh, that's where, you know, I think you look at the needs of the NBA today and if you're starting Scotty and Pascal and Yak, there's no way you're going to get enough three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And so I view it more from a fit perspective um, and say, hey, if you had like a different guy in there, a different skill set in there, then you're looking at the core and saying, okay, this works. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. I definitely see that point. My next question then for you is, as we've spontaneously gone off all our topics, <laughs> um, is what do you, as you, as an official insider, what do you make of the chemistry of this team? Because that's been another factor that's been sort of circling and that's sort of out there um, that like maybe they don't all get along. Um, do you think that's true? Do you think it's kind of a non-issue? Where, where do you see that? Yeah, I think that's part of why Masai is saying, hey, I want to see this group with a different coach first Mm -hmm. uh, before I make any big decisions. And uh, I think there is some element of like maybe the the older guys feeling like the young guys are taking time to learn what it takes at the NBA level in terms of like that daily commitment, right? Because again, when you look at the identity of this franchise coming up. It's like Fred, Pascal, like these guys came from nothing, right? They were in the G League and they had to fight for every single thing they've got, right? And and now, you know, they kind of have a couple guys on the team. It's like who have the license to make as many mistakes as they want almost, right? Um, and-, mm-hmm. and they're busy making commercials. <laughs> and And so it's like, I don't think that would be an issue if they were seeing like the same maybe daily grind that they had to go through. But at the end of the day, like someone like Scotty is just flat out more talented. Right. And so it's just going to be a process in figuring that out. Right. Like even if you go to the essence of like when Kobe and Shaq feuded, right. Like, Kobe was frustrated <laughs> that Shaq didn't work as hard as he did. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's Shaq. He doesn't need to work as hard as you do. And sure. I think, can, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that would argue that if Shaq did actually work hard, he could have been the greatest ever, but yeah, that but, is, that is an, that is an argument that exists in the world. That's but, all I'm saying. But at the end of the day, Shaq was the one who won three straight finals MVPs and mm-hmm. three-peated. Was, this wasn't like a situation where you were missing out on titles, you know? <laughs> it wasn't like the work ethic cost them something. They literally three-peated. <laughs> so. I so, mean, yeah. I, I'm, that's yeah no, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get to that central point of like, you know, I think these guys who are, you know, very much like built on like that cloth of like nonstop work ethic. Right. Um, They can be frustrated to a point, but it's also like a 20, 21 year old figuring it out. And you got to trust that he'll figure it out. And that's why Fred has said, Hey, 
he'll be as good as he want, wants to be when he wants to be, right? And so Scotty's learning that. And so like you can have frustration, but you should also have understanding that, hey, for some people who have had it come easier, it's just going to take a bit longer. Um, yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, Fred also talked about um, this team needing a culture reset uh, in his uh, end of season press conference. What type of coach would you like to see the Raptors hire? Or do you have anyone particular in mind? So I think for me, in terms of the culture, um, I don't want to see uh, a rookie head coach who doesn't have a lot of experience behind them. So, for example, I mean, I don't think... You don't uh, want Joe Mazzula. You don't <laughs> want a guy who watches the movie The Town like four <laughs> times a week or whatever that was I saw yesterday on Twitter. I did absolute, not that. Absolute Madness. It was a GQ article. Okay. He watches the movie The Town wow. multiple times. I think it was like four times a week I mean, I enjoyed the movie, but I think I've only no, seen it. No, that's psychotic. That is absolutely <laughs> psychotic. And that is absolutely pandering to the Boston fans in a way that is just like, blah. Like, I mean, no, <laughs> stop it. Stop. Absolutely stop it. Uh, anyway, sorry. That's a tangent from me. No, I enjoyed that. Uh, By the way, uh, I think Joe Mazzilla could lose his job if he doesn't win this series. <laughs> we might not be finished. Co we might not be finished firing coaches, actually. That's There's a lot of weird smoke on that guy. <laughs> like he watches the town multiple times a week. I saw a report that he uh, isn't exactly friendly with the media, which is actually like a huge part of being a head coach. And that was like a, a, a sticking point with Nick. Uh, this last season, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's just, he gives me a weird vibe, man. That's all I got to say. He gives me a weird <laughs> vibe. So, yeah, in terms of the type of coach I want to see, um, when you talk about, like, resetting the culture and bringing better structure and things like that, I would not uh, expect that out of an assistant coach who's only been an assistant for, like, a little while. Right. And um, I think my preferred candidates would be someone like a Monty Williams, um, someone like a Kenny Atkinson, who I thought was doing a really good job with Brooklyn until Katie and Kyrie came along and said, hey, we don't want you around anymore. Um, there's too much structure here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think those two would be ideal candidates. Um, I mean, Becky Hammond would be at the top of the list if I like I just don't think she's interested um i think she has a great gig going right now i so i just don't think she'd be interested if if she were then absolutely that's like the no-brainer hire um but that yeah that would probably be my top three um beyond that yeah unless someone else were to become available my my like you know like I'm kidding. I said like joe mazula i'm just <laughs> sticking with my conspiracy we're getting let go um and coming over to the Raptors, uh, not that I'm. If Ty Lue was gonna like be like, oh, wouldn't it have happened already? No, no that, that's the thing. I, I that, yeah, that's why yeah. it was my pipe dream. <laughs> oh, I see. Sorry. I, I, I yeah, no yeah, longer yeah. have that expectation. Um, yeah, I was. I guess I got hopeful when, like, after they lost Game Six, he was kind of like, oh, I want to thank Steve Ballmer for the opportunity and this and that, and I was like, what? <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now apparently they're talking about an extension. So, um, so everything seems okay in Clipperland outside of health, but, um, yeah. Well, how do you feel about the latest Doc Rivers rumors? No, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I, I think, I think. I low-key think Doc Rivers needs to retire, man. That guy doesn't even like walk without a limp anymore poor thing like he just i i just i think his time is done yeah I, yeah i think he needs an assistant who can just like take over the strategic stuff like you know especially once you've won three games in a series like 
that's that's the hump he can't get over, right? Like the the blown three one leads, the blown three two lead here. Um, there's something there. That... Yeah, I mean, it's too much. It's too many to ignore. I think it's like ten game sevens or something. I could yeah. be wrong about that number, but it's something like and, that. And I mean, his t- like I saw something where in closeout games he's he's just got like a terrible record. Like you know, some some coaches I I, I don't want to quote the record because I can't remember exactly what it is, but like pretty much in terms of that chart, I remember it was like a bunch of people who were like 500, which is like re- perfectly reasonable in a closeout game. It's like you win some, you lose some, um, and then Steve Kerr was like. 80%, which is like, you know, go ahead and dream that. Um, and then Doc Rivers was just like, you know, he was like 30% or something like that. And that was just... Uh, honestly, like, I... But he, it's so bizarre because he's such a good regular season coach that it gets the to a point where it's like, this is a mental thing. It's a mental thing. Um, it's... I think it's a strategy thing where, like the adjustments don't seem to come through at the right times. Um, and like, even when, you know, Joel Embiid's not talking about touching the ball in the last five minutes of the fourth in game six, like, how does that happen if you're the coach? But also how does that happen if you're Joel Embiid? No, I agree. I agree. 100%. But everyone takes blame there, right? Like Harden as the playmaker takes blame there. Embiid takes blame there. The coach as well. Right. And if you look at that, like Sixers roster, the only people who like have championship experience there are Doc and PJ Tucker. Right? Yeah. I think the only way I would be happy with Doc Rivers as our coach would be if we did decidedly go younger. So it isn't about the it's it's not about, it's not about the, the playoffs. playoffs. Because I do think he is, he could be a very good coach for a young team. Actually, if anything, I think the Houston Rockets should have held out and start, instead of hiring Ime Udoka so fast. Like, I think if they knew like Monty Williams and Mike Budenholzer and all these guys are going to be available, they might not have like pulled the trigger so fast. Cause right. I think Doc Rivers would actually be really good for a team like Houston, like a mm. young, up and coming team that like holds people accountable, just like teaches them how to be a pro. Right. And does yeah. the whole motivational speech thing. And then it's like, you kind of take someone over, like have someone else take over to do like the playoff strategic side of it. But I think outside of that, I I think he's got to take some time, man. I don't, I don't think he's outside of that. I think the reputation is just too much. Let's get him back point. on the broadcast. He's a great broadcaster. If he gets his voice back, honestly. Yeah, he was a great bar- broadcaster back in 08. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> uh, he did some Raptors stuff for a moment, I recall. Do you recall that? He did some Raptors broadcasts. Did he? Yeah, I have vague memories of Doc Rivers in a CTV studio or something. I promise wow. you that happened. I promise I didn't dream that. That happened. Okay. I'm just aging myself at this point. Um, I personally feel like the Raptors could use a former player as a coach. Um, actually, Becky Hammond does fill that role. Mind you, she's having a... Are you team JJ Redick then? I'm not team JJ Redick. I think he'd be, he's too inexperienced. Um, Becky Hammond is dealing with, she's having a rough week. Uh, She's been suspended two games uh, with the Las Vegas aces due to uh, inappropriate conduct. Um, I actually talk about it quite extensively in my WNBA podcast, the pickup, if anyone's interested in that. Um, I, it is not inappropriate to the level that anyone in the NBA with a current coaching job has. <laughs> I'm just going to fully say that. So um, I don't think it should be held against her in an NBA context because there's just just so much worse that exists that isn't held against people in the NBA. But right. with that being said, shout out to the WNBA for actually holding people accountable. And uh, I do still think uh, she's a great coach. Um, and hopefully that's like a learning moment for her. I really hope it is. And, um, I do still think she would make a great NBA coach. 
Um, so yeah, it doesn't completely deter me from her being um, high on the list for me, but I, I mean, I've been pretty high on Jerry Stackhouse actually uh, getting the job. You know, he's a former player. He won a championship with the 905 team has good. I covered the 905 that year. Oh, tell us, tell us. Okay, well, if you don't like Jerry Stackhouse, you could change my mind because as an official insider. No, I, I like Jerry Stackhouse a lot. Um, I, I think uh, he is someone who is very old school in his approach and uh, is huge on discipline and work ethic. Um, and so I think in terms of like getting the culture right, he's someone, you know, would be on top of all of that. And uh you know, I, th- I think he's pretty good with his strategy as well. And I think, you know, obviously it helps when you have two guys like Fred and Pascal when you're trying to win a G League championship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I thought he handled himself really well. Um, and he's super, super competitive. Like the, the way losses would eat at him. And I'm like, man, this is a guy who's like done it all in the NBA. And he's like, so worked up about this one yeah you know wow. um i i mean funny story i i remember um a game that they lost down the stretch and you could tell he was absolutely livid and and like the ones who were there consistently with him you could tell like he's just not someone who wants to talk much after a loss um because like he really gets bothered by them and he answered a question and there was a pause and it was like, it seemed like the presser was done. Like it was like, you know, three questions and like he was getting shorter with each one. So it was like, okay, we can tell he's at his limit. We're about to break off. And then this poor guy <laughs> asked another question. No. Um, and Stack had absolutely had it at that point. And he answered the question, but he like cussed every second word. And it was so he couldn't basi- use it. Yeah, it was basically like, <laughs> yeah, go ahead and use that. <laughs> I gotta love that though. I gotta love that. Um, yeah, I, I remember like uh, the championship celebration scenes. Um, because like right after they had won, the Raptors were still like late in game six against the Bucks, and like you talk about some of the synergy that's been lost between the 905 and like the Raptors right now, like that 905 team flipped the game on right away and they were all tuned in. It was like, Hey, are the Raptors going to close this out? Hmm. And, you know, they closed out that game six and then they started celebrating their chip. Um, and yeah, they're all going wild. Brady Heslip was on that team. Um, Bruno obviously was on that team. So it was a really fun night. And I remember just seeing the locker room and how excited stack was. And like, he's, he, now he's like, he, he gave me a hug and it was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that drive that he has for winning, um, would be super valuable right now. And that discipline he has, like, I'm pretty old school myself. So I would sign up in a heartbeat for stack um yeah we've aged ourselves it's okay yeah (laughs) but you've just you've actually sold me on stackhouse even more now (laughs) telling me that honestly like i'm curious to know if like our listeners feel the same way like you've absolutely sold me on stackhouse based on that you're right that's absolutely what we need um i just think like and also because like he will already have the trust of a fred and pascal assuming they stay yeah and and I think, like you said, like all that discipline, all that hard work stuff will hopefully rub off on Scotty the right way. And, you know, yeah. and then you go from there. I I feel like that would be great. I just think like a former player voice would be a more fresh voice for the team. And you just described everything I feel like we need. So, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I very still much th- defense first. Like uh, another thing I'm remembering now was like, every once in a while we would talk about like his principles and things like that. And um, it would be funny to see him in the NBA now, because I remember like his principles back then were like switching is very much like a plan B or plan C. Cause he's like, if you start off switching, then you kind of have nowhere to go from there. (laughs) 
And so um, with this team that has done nothing but switch and has <laughs> a bunch of these six, eight guys running ragged, honestly, <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I would be very interested to see how that plays out. But wow. yeah, again, like the defense of that 905 team was amazing. Um, and he's very much a defense first guy, like all, like a lot of things that you would associate with like, you know, that old school type mentality. Um, he checks all the boxes in that regard. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think he definitely finds a way to like, get players to buy in right and i think what was so valuable when he was with the 905 was like fred goes down there pascal goes down there and he can have that real conversation it is like hey man i've been in the league i know what it takes to be in there like i'm gonna show you the steps while you're here that can help you get to that next level and i think that's that element of like connecting with the players um where again if you got like a younger group like he would be able to like really you know take them on under his wing and be like hey this is what it takes to like you know be a starter in this league to be an all-star that type of thing um okay that sounds great before you stack needs uh, to hire me as his agent before sorry what were you say? sorry sorry no i was gonna say stack needs to hire me as his agent at this point Ooh, yes <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> Would you want to be on a bench? Would you want to be one of his assistants? No, absolutely not. I, I don't, don't want know that job. enough about basketball um, uh, and strategy to uh, be an actual assistant. Would you want to be an intern? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think it'd be cool to be like a video guy and watching a, yeah, a yeah, film yeah. and just like cutting stuff for them. Um, but in terms of actually like breaking it, down for players and stuff like that i'm probably not the guy um yeah that's okay you know your role agent that's great um vivek before you hijacked all my topics i'm so uh that's fine uh we had a great conversation um before we go we gotta talk about wemby we gotta talk about this draft lottery we gotta talk about the fact that san antonio has the number one pick and they are getting a franchise altering big once again, in Wimbanyana. What do you make of this? I will say this. There is a lot of talk out there about San Antonio making moves so they could actually become more of a win-now team now that they know they're getting Wemby, which is, like, so interesting to me. I don't know if they're actually going to do that or not or if they're going to give him a few years to work his way into the league or not, but tell me what you think of this whole San Antonio Wemby situation. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, th- I think it's the smart way to go in terms of getting into that win now mode, because say you look at the starting five right now, you've got Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan and Wemby, obviously. Uh, and so it's like, which of those pieces or a couple pieces can you move to get back potentially an all-star? Or, you know, you made that trade, uh, that DeJounte Murray trade, you got a bunch of picks back, right? You made mm-hmm. the Yacopertl, uh trade, you've got they, that in the bag. And so, they've got picks, and I believe they also have like 40 mil in, in cap space. Yeah. So they have so many options. Yeah. And I, and I anticipate this team exercising many of those options. Um, I don't think they are going to worry about being in the draft again another year with Wemby. Honestly, I think they're going to take the approach of let's get as many winners around him as possible. Let's yep. get as many championship experienced people in this league around him as soon as possible. Let's get him playoff experience as soon as possible. Like why waste time? Cause, and, and you've hit the nail on the head because like life comes at you quick in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you think about, um, Luka Doncic, right? Just a couple of years ago, you're looking at Dallas and saying, oh my God, like this team is destined to do great things. Like just get the right pieces around him, this and that. Like that's how you usually talk when you get this great traffic. And now the clock, they are firmly on the clock. It's like, what are you going to do to make Luka happy? Because you messed up the Jalen Brunson situation. You lost out on him. Dinwiddie left as uh, a free agent. Um and, and now you've got this situation where, uh, you know, uh, you've got no one really around him because Kyrie's probably going to leave, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and so 
now they're in real bad. Uh, you know, I think back to when Kristaps Porzingis was with the Knicks. First couple of years, oh my God, we got the unicorn. This is going to be great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. A year later, he's asked for a trade, right? And so uh-huh. uh, I think the Spurs are right on it. I mean, again, like that's a team that knew which direction they wanted to go in. They leaned firmly into that, got what they wanted, and now they're ready to go the other way. And uh-huh. I mean, they were on it, man. When they made that DeJounte Murray trade, they were just on it. They yeah. knew. They and knew. They got, had Wemby in their sights from like years ago. Yeah. And now you've arguably got the best po- prospect since LeBron James. You've got one of the best coaches in the league. As you mentioned, you, the, they've got the cap room. They've got the picks. They've got young assets to trade if they need to. Um, and so, yeah, they are they are ready to go. And they absolutely should be looking to do everything they can to surround him with winners. I will say this, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like the the Warriors and like, is their era over or not? I don't think it's over. I think they have two years left, realistically. However, there could be a new power in the Western Conference on the horizon in the San Antonio Spurs. And if they make the right moves, it could change absolutely everything. And I think whoever wins this year... I don't think they're winning next year. I think this is a one-time thing for the four teams that are left. And I think there's just going to be so much off-season movement because people are going to be desperate to get out of where they are Mm. that there will be a whole new landscape going into next season. And I think San Antonio could actually be a massive factor in this off-season. Well, to circle back to how we started this conversation. Here we um, go. I am going, not going gonna, back to my topics. Yeah. I'm not going to write off LeBron. I'm going to hang on to these guys that I've watched growing up and say, Hey, he'll be back next year. Um, I think you're right about Steph. He'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope my guy clay can get it back together. God, I love clay Thompson. I yes. love clay Thompson so much. Watching that Lakers series was so hard. Yeah. It was killing me. Um, and uh, again, you talk about, you know, things that like connect you, even though you don't even know the guy, like I ruptured my Achilles a year and a half ago. So like, I have that relatability with Aww. him and I'm like, man, I just want to see him, you know, get back at that mountaintop. Uh, I mean, obviously they were there last year, uh, but, um, but him individually. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm just going to be rooting for the old guys to hang on as long as they can. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw Jimmy in the old guy category as well. He's officially um, in the old guy category. Yeah. Welcome, Jimmy. He's, he's old <laughs> cool enough to be one of the old guys. Um, yeah. And obviously Kyle's on that team. So. Yeah. Look, my heart is with everyone you said always, <laughs> always and forever. Yeah. I, I'm just looking at what's happening. The and <laughs> I'm looking at the crystal ball and I'm seeing, there's going to be, I predict a a massive. I know there's not. It's not a huge free agency class. I don't think. But you I can think fit there's going to be a crystal t- ball. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he's just too big. <laughs> oh yeah, he's seven foot five. He doesn't fit into the crystal ball actually. Um, no, I just think like I just think there's going to be a lot of off season trades. I think there's just going to be a lot of trades happening, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams trying to get out of the middle because there's a lot of teams that are in the middle that are like really good, but just don't have enough to get over that mountaintop because of all the parity in the league. And I think a lot of teams just like the Raptors are asking themselves really difficult questions, right? Like what direction are they going to go? in? you mentioned Dallas. What about the Hawks? What about the Blazers? What is San Antonio going to do? You know what I mean? There's just so many teams that are in this the Pelicans, you know, there's so many teams in this middle tier that just need to break out one way or the other. And I just feel like it's going to hit that tipping point this off season. Yeah. Now one, one of the teams, like obviously San Antonio is going to be on the rise in the West, but I think Orlando is going to be scary in the East next season. Like they Orlando is going to be better. Indiana is going to be better. Yeah. And like the flashes Orlando, showed like in that stretch where they were just playing ball before they kind of went into tank mode um 
were just amazing and Bancaro and Wagner like mm-hmm. those are two studs to build around you're absolutely right those teams are going to be better without necessarily making moves and yeah. then it just makes you think like are the are the Knicks and the Cavs going to be making adjustments this year you know there's just so many questions with so many teams that I just think it's going to be very very interesting I think it's going to be a very active summer um vivek we should probably end it there but thank you so much for joining me thank you for hijacking my list of topics uh thank you for getting me (laughs) deep into the mindset of a masai ujiri of a bobby webster what is happening what's keeping them up at night what's keeping us up at night as fans you know (laughs) screw the rest of the league right no i mean this is like i love the whole nba but um no thank you so much for having me i always have a blast on here so um yeah i know i know i missed out last time um last time i asked you oh it's fine that's fine people people say no people say no to me all the time and then they're like oh when are you gonna have me back on the show and i'm like really no kidding it's not that dramatic um (laughs) vivek for all everyone listening uh let everyone know uh what you're up to and where they can find you on the internets yeah, you can find my work at raptors.com at CBC Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.